0: You would take a moment and grab that connection book sitting at the end of the aisle and just pass it down and sign your name. That'll help us those of you who aren't brand new, help us record your visit this morning, and uh, we appreciate that.: All right, good morning, reach church. Morning. Good morning. All right, so if kids want to head out to reach kids right now, can make their way. All right. When Randy's starting to lose his voice, we know we've been <laughs> done some good worship. All right, that's good. Um, all right. It's a good day to praise the Lord. Um, all right. We have, a, we have a big announcement, actually, um, which kind of went out. Uh, Pastor Chuck sent it out this last week, and I'm excited about it. So we are moving to two services. Woo! <laughs> all right. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Move, two services. All right. Uh, this is happening July 15th. So July 15th, we're moving to two services, one at 9.15, one at 10.30. All right. Identical services. Uh, one thing right after the other. Now, right, why are we doing this? All right. We're doing this because we have to in some sense. Because because we're, we're too, getting too big. Our, our nursery is too full. Our parking lot is too full. Our sanctuary is too full. And we want more and more people to hear about nothing but Jesus. Amen. Right? Alright. Amen. Yes. Yes. We want more and more people to hear and we're going to do whatever we can to, to make that possible. Alright. What that means for us, what that mean for us, um, this is good for us, in some sense, All right, Everything requires sacrifice, but, all right, two services means that if you serve during one service, you can still attend the worship service, all right? So, I feel like, like a lot of us, a lot of, not me, but a lot of you, uh, <laughs> oh, that's how it works, isn't it? Um, a lot of you who are serving in the nursery or serving in Reach Kids, you're missing the service. And this is, this is the highlight of the week. This is where we come together and worship the Lord. Like There's something very healthy in doing what we just did. And so the, the beauty of this is that, yes, you, you'll have to serve. We'll need you to serve, but you won't miss this. You won't miss this. And that, that's a great blessing. Now, the, the heart of this is that it would not be about ourselves, but be about Jesus' mission to bring people Jesus and bring people nothing but Jesus. And I'm thankful that people are are coming and people are hearing about Jesus, seeing that we are different and wanting to be a part of this. So I hope that you'll be excited for that and join me in getting excited and serving and, um, in bringing nothing but Jesus to this community. So good news, good news. All right. Uh, now before I move on to the, the sermon this week, uh, I have to go back to last week, um, who got before the feet of Jesus this week? Yeah, all right, all right. One confident one over there. Uh, all right, so sermons, sermons need to go places. <laughs> all right, like I think they need to be doing, doing things in our lives. So if, if you didn't, go back and listen to the sermon again until it changes your heart and then go do it. All right. Um, last week we, we saw that getting at the feet of Jesus is is the only thing that is necessary and the only thing that is better than everything else. And if we're hearing these things and not doing anything with them, then it's a waste. All right? All right, but let's pray and let's do do this next sermon. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that you are the great I Am, you are the Hosanna. Father, those those are very cool names that you are the Savior and that you are the one who is independent of all other things that you exist because of your own ex- self. And Father, you're not dependent upon anyone and yet you share yourself with us and you welcome us in and you, you invite us to worship. Father, I ask that you'd give us hearts of worship, that you give us um, a great love for you, that we would delight in opportunities to worship you. Father, we pray for the second service and we pray for the, what the things that this church is doing. And Father, we ask that in all these things, we'd about, be about love for you and worship of you. That this church would not be for ourselves, but it would be all about you through Jesus. So would you fill us with the Spirit and enable us to do the things that we cannot. That we may bring glory to your name. And Father, would you bless, bless the preaching of your word right now. Would you open our hearts and our ears to hear. And Father, would you change the way we think about this Christian life. That it's all about love for you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Alright, so, uh, last week, last week, we saw what happens when Jesus comes over for dinner. Alright, and like, if, the, more, the more you read, never Jesus comes over for dinner, like, people are in for it. It's, dang- it's dangerous to have people over for dinner, uh, Jesus over dinner. So, uh, last time, last time we saw that Jesus rebuked Martha for, for not coming before Jesus and getting what is best and what is necessary. And this time, we're seeing Jesus go over to to a Pharisee's house, to the Pharisee Simon's house. And what we're going to see in this story is, is once again, the things that Jesus values. What kind of people is Jesus looking for to be followers of him? And I hope this is relevant because I think a lot of us don't feel worthy to be in Jesus' presence. A lot of us feel really uncomfortable being here, that we are not good enough, that our past condemn us, that if, if, we, if people really knew who we were and, and how, how God sees us, then, then we would not be welcome here. Now Jesus is trying to challenge that very notion in this passage, that this church is a place for people who have pasts, the place for people who have been around the block, the people who have guilt and shame and sin in their lives, real sin. And that Jesus is not looking for the clean people. Jesus is looking for those who will love him and serve him because they have been forgiven by him. He's looking for those who love him and serve him because they were forgiven by him. And that is what this church is about people who have been deeply forgiven for real sins and therefore love Jesus and serve him well. So let's turn to Luke 7. Luke 7, verse 36 through 50. Luke 7. Luke 7. Luke 7, 36 through 50. Read with me. Still rustling? right, let's do it. One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he had reclined at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, And wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Then when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Alright. So two different people interacting with Jesus, looking for two different things. Alright, so let's, let's set the context a little bit. So, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with them And he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. All right. For those of you who don't know what a Pharisee is, a Pharisee is a religious expert, a specialist in the law of God. And of all things, he valued being clean, being sinless, being holy before God. And so they were their masters at the law. They knew all the laws and they tried to keep them as perfectly as possible. All right. So you tithe your money, but no, no, we're also going to tithe our mint We're going to tithe our cumin. Like 10% of everything goes to the Lord. That it's all about trying to be clean before God. And so this man, this religious man, he hears that there is this, this alleged prophet. And he invites Jesus over to his house. Then we have, and, and behold, verse 37. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner... When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair on her head and kiss his feet and anoint them with the ointment. All right, how did this woman get at the dinner party? All right, right, we'll start start with that. Um, Before we get, like, it's weird. Um, All right, so banquets don't happen in your living room in the ancient Near East. All right, they happen in, in like kind of, they're more like barbecues. They happen outdoors, they happen in pavilions, and the people can come and go. And so, you have, you have this, this man over for dinner, and the town is, is milling around, people are coming in and getting hot dogs and hamburgers, meeting the new guy, you know, heading out. So, you're at your barbecue, hosting this religious fancy guy, And who comes in but this lady in five-inch stilettos and fishnets (laughs) and and comes walking up to your barbecue, and she starts crying at the feet of the, the honored guest, wiping his feet with her hair, kissing his feet, and pouring perfume all over him. All right. How do you react to this woman doing this at your barbecue? That's what that's what's happening here. Now. This is pretty awkward. And we wonder, okay, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Apparently, he did nothing. He does nothing. He accepts it. He he takes it. And in response to this, this Pharisee, Simon, he makes he makes some conclusions. All right, so this is an interesting passage. So, so Simon, is, Simon is a logical guy. And so he, he draws out the logic of what must be happening here. And what, what does he think? All right, verse 39. Now when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is, she is a sinner. All right, sinner is code for, for lady of the night, for those who don't, aren't realizing this. That's what the fishnets meant. Um, <laughs> catching everyone up. Um, all right, so, so Jesus isn't reacting. And what does Simon assume? Simon assumes, oh, he must not know what sort of woman this is. He must not know, because if he did know, what would he do? He would pull away. That a real man of God would, would run from this woman and would, would shrink back, would despise this woman and protect himself from her. Maybe. All right, that's the logic. And so, because Jesus does not shrink back, she, he takes it back and he says, We must not know who this woman is. Therefore, he must not be a prophet. All right, logical conclusions. All right, what's the problem, though? He's assumed that at the at the bottom and core of the law is being clean. And is protecting yourself from sin. And protecting yourself from defilement. Protecting yourself from sinners. And that's at the core of what, what religious people believe. And the sad thing is that, that that's often how how the church seems. That here as the church, we are trying to protect ourselves and remain clean from the defilement of the world. And so we, many of you have probably experienced that. Have you ever been kind of outcast because you're not clean enough, you're not good enough? If you haven't been like that, you're the rare few who could be a Pharisee. But for most of us, we've been there. That we have not been good enough. And unfortunately, the assumption is that if religious people who follow this God shrink back and avoid and are too clean to get near us, then, then maybe, maybe God is the same way. That maybe God is too holy and too perfect to be touched by a sinner that maybe this place is such a holy place that I don't qualify to come here. Or at least if I do, I need to hide myself. Because otherwise the Pharisees and this holy God will get me. All right, That's the reasoning. That's the reasoning. That Simon is seeing the situation and that is his logic. And Jesus is going to confront that. And he's going to confront him and ask him, kind of show him that, that Jesus and God is not looking for, for clean people. He's looking for people who love him. He's not looking for clean people. He's looking for people who love him. Look at verse 40. Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. All right, Jesus is not a pansy. He, he's like, he's, <laughs> he just isn't. Like, he, he doesn't care. And... And he's going to tell it as it is. So what, and He answered, say it, teacher. All right. He, he, didn't, he didn't realize what he's getting into. Here, first 41. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. All right, this is not a very subtle parable. It's not meant to be subtle. All right, so there's two people. Uh, one, is, one one owes $5,000 and the debt is repaid. The other owes 500 Who's going to be more appreciative and loving towards this one who's forgiven the debt? The one who's forgiven more. Simon knows that. The simple logic is fine. But at the core of this, what, what, is, Jesus, what is Jesus attacking? He's attacking that core, that core assumption of Simon the Pharisee. What is most important to God? What is most important to Jesus? Is it being clean? Jesus is Jesus saying no? No, you've misread the whole thing. What really matters is loving God. Is loving God and loving Jesus, that that is what he's looking for, And what the reality is that being clean doesn't make us love Jesus more. And actually, being more of a sinner can make you love Jesus more. That's the point. And it throws off the whole logic. And that's where when we when we see Sinners. We should see people who can deeply love Jesus. When we see our own sin, we just see the potential for deeply loving Jesus. That sin does not prevent us from loving Jesus. Sin actually gives us an opportunity to be forgiven and love Jesus all the more. And that's where in, in, in our, our fight to be clean, and our fight not to be sinners... We end up not needing Jesus and not loving him. And we miss the point entirely. And the the sad thing in the Christian life, in the Christian kind of community is that oftentimes Jesus is kind of surrounded by Pharisees. And that that you can't get to Jesus because there's this community around him that's going to judge you for being present. And the thing is that Jesus Jesus isn't like that. That Jesus' logic is totally different. And instead, what should we see from this situation? We should see that if we don't love Jesus that much, we haven't been forgiven much. Now, maybe that's because we don't want to see our sin. And we're denying our sin. That like, like Simon the Pharisee, we... We don't believe we're actually sinners. There's nothing to forgive, so there's no one to love. Or, or we're not, we're, we're still the sinful woman, but we're not at the point that we feel forgiven. That's where we can be, we know that we're sinners, but not actually feel forgiven. And then there's no love there. That all we feel is condemned and shameful, and, and we cower from God. The reality is that if, if you are a real sinner with real sins, you have potential to love Jesus. And this is the community for you. This is a community not about being clean. It's about loving Jesus. And sin will not prevent you from loving Jesus. It will enable you to love Jesus more. And so when we're, when we're out there looking for potential Christians, we should not be like, oh, well, like, let's look for like the squeaky cleanest people we can find. <laughs> No, we're looking for sinners. For sinners who will love Jesus. And when people come through those doors, we are looking for sinners who will love Jesus. That sinners who will need a Savior, who need forgiveness, and will love Him as a result. The priority of the Christian life is loving Jesus, not being clean. All right. So that's the value of Jesus, and now Jesus is going to read the situation. So Simon read the situation and drew out his logic of what was going on here, and now Jesus is going to draw out the logic. What is actually going on here? And he's going to deduce that this woman, this woman is serving him. She must love him, she must be forgiven by him, and she must have faith. That's what he sees in the situation. And it's not going to leave Simon looking very good. So, verse 44. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? Now, Simon had seen this woman. She was was all too visible when she walked up there. Um, But what did he really see? All he saw was a sinner. All he saw was this dirty woman who had defiled Jesus. Jesus. And now we're going to see, okay, how does Jesus see this same woman? How does he see her? Well, look what she does. Look what she does. She actually saves the day. She saves the day. All right, when you, when you host a dinner in the ancient East, some ancient history, uh, you're supposed to do three things. Three things. All right. You're supposed to wash your guests' feet. You're supposed to give them a kiss. And you're supposed to anoint their head with oil. All right, that's what you do. Because these people are traveling around, Jesus is all dusty and dirty and yucky, and he's invited for dinner. And what is he supposed to do? Let's see the comparison here. I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. All right, so what happens in an ancient meal is like you you lay down, and then the person lays down at your feet, and you kind of lay in like a square. All right. Now, Jesus' feet were all disgusting and muddy and dirty with his feet right next to this other guy. All right. Simon's a terrible host. He's a terrible host. And what Jesus is saying is that you failed, you failed to wash my feet. And this woman, when she saw it, She was going to wash Jesus' feet no matter what. Now, she didn't have any water, so she brought her very tears. She did not have a cloth, so she brought her hair, and she weeped over Jesus' feet and wiped the mud off with her hair. That is what Jesus saw. Jesus did not see a prostitute defiling him. He saw this woman who would do anything to wash his feet. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, She has not ceased to kiss my feet. This is a kiss of of welcome, of fellowship. And Simon, Simon offered no kiss. But here's this woman kissing his feet. Verse 46, You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Now, why do you anoint with oil? I didn't know this. I had to research this this week. Um, because traveling people smell bad. That's why. <laughs> and Jesus, I, I, Jesus is always depicted as like kind of like softly glowing white <laughs> with like panting pro-v hair <laughs> and like, like kind of like smiling. And all right, he would not have looked like that. Like he would have been, he would have been yucky Jesus. All right, with B.O. and gross. And so what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to, supposed to put oil oil on your head so like you smell it less alright you like, can smell the oil you're not distracted from the meal alright it's gross but that's what that's what it was for um, and what does this woman do she breaks out her alabaster flask the, the nicest thing she can, she can find and she anoints his feet with oil alright how does Jesus see this sinful woman he sees her act of love. That he loves her and he is playing she is playing host in a way that that Simon the Pharisee has totally failed to do. And that he's so busy judging everyone and keeping clean that he's neglected Jesus. Now what this what does this teach us? Alright, I hope that we're bold like this woman. That, that we are bold to love Jesus in spite of the Pharisees, in spite of the people who, who are scared of being unclean. That we would push through. And that we don't care what anyone says, we are going to love Jesus. And we're going to treat him well. And, and yes, we are sinners, but we are bold before Jesus. Alright, so she served him. She loved him. And what does Jesus conclude about this woman? Not that she's dirty and unclean. What does he say? Verse 47. Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she has loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. All right, so Jesus is is drawing the logic out and he's saying service is love, which is forgiveness. And behind all that forgiveness is faith. Now we've been talking about in Romans that it is faith alone, faith alone, faith alone. Now don't for a second think that, that Jesus forgives her because she loved him or because she served him. No, she is forgiven because of her faith. And because her faith tells her that Jesus can forgive her sins, she loves and she serves. That's the only way it happens. And that's where Simon, Simon's all concerned, like, I just need to, I just need to be clean. I just need to do my best and serve God when he has no grounding for it. There's no real faith there's no forgiveness and there's nothing to love Jesus. There's no reason to do it. But here's this woman. And what, what does she believe? What does she believe? She believes that Jesus will will wash her clean. And we know that when Jesus, Jesus washes us clean, it's not by his tears and his hair, it's by his very blood. That the blood of Jesus washes away our sins. That's what this woman was believing. And when she was kissing his feet, she understood that, that this was the holy kiss of God, that Jesus, by His death and resurrection, he was welcoming us. and he's kissing us as friends, as family and of, as brides of Christ. And ultimately, how does how does Jesus anoint us? He anoints us with his very spirit. That we are blessed that we would, we would never reek again. <laughs> that we'd be holy and perfect before him. That we would smell like Jesus. That the fragrance of Christ would be on us. That's what this woman was believing. And that's why this woman was forgiven. Because Jesus could see her faith as evidence in her love. All right, that's where, like... So we talk about this great I am... This great I am, that's a scary God. It's a terrifying God, the great I am. Who has existed for forever and doesn't need you and is holy and perfect. And we think, okay, then we need to be clean. We are not clean. This woman is not clean, but neither is Simon. And this woman understands that if I'm going to be clean, I need to be cleansed by the blood of Christ. That's the only way I'll be clean enough to be before this holy I am God. That Simon is actually the one faking it and ignoring the real implications of who this God is. All right. Who cares? Who cares? Why should we care about this passage? What do we do with it? What do we do with it? All right, first of all, we need to stop being Simon's when you stop being Simons. It's not about being clean. It's about loving Jesus. And yet we we put up all these barriers to protect ourselves from sinners. There's no room for that. That Jesus himself did not do that and Jesus did not get defiled. Jesus was still the perfect sacrifice. That's not the priority of Jesus and that shouldn't be our priority either. That we should welcome in the sinner's and forgive them. And make it clear that we are forgivers of sinners because we have been forgiven sinners. Now, when Jesus says that, that Simon, he ultimately says that Simon, Simon hasn't been forgiven because he doesn't love. Now, I know that some of you are going to think, well, I, I haven't done that much. Maybe some of you feel like that. Um, <laughs> I don't feel like that. Um, I haven't done much. Like, then you need to look for your sin. And you dig in that heart and see the self-righteousness, see the pride, see the cold-heartedness, see the judgment, see the comparison. You have plenty of sin in there. You have plenty of sin in there. And you go realize that that sin has been forgiven and you will love Jesus. Now, for those of you who, who feel like there's too much sin, bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. That he wants you to love him. He wants to to accept you as you are. He has done this work so that you are done and so that you can love him. That he bore the shame, he bore the guilt, he bore the judgment. And finally, finally, let's be like Jesus. Let's be a church that welcomes in those who are forgiven sinners. Let's not be Pharisees. Let's not try to protect ourselves. Let's bring in the sinners that we would have more people who love Jesus deeply in this place. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in your holiness, in your justice, in your righteousness, you, you saw us sinners and you invited us to, to love you. And Father, we thank you for, for giving us Jesus, for giving us his blood, for dying for us, for anointing us with his spirit. Father, we ask that we would never fear being in your presence, that we come washed clean, and that you will not see us for our past sin, you will see us for our love. Father, would you show us that we are truly forgiven? Would you show us that it's nothing that we have done, it's only that, that you have made us clean by your work? There's nothing in us, it's everything in you. It's nothing but Jesus. Father, would we be a church where, where sinners are welcome and where sinners are loved and where, where sinners serve you and serve others? Father, would you bless this worship that we've been motivated by our love for you because we are deeply forgiven. We pray in Jesus' name.